Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's never forget God. He's not because you make a mistake or you mess up or you're inconsistent. He doesn't get mad at you and anger with you and toss you aside and think, you know what, I'm done with them. He never, never has that thought. I didn't quite understand it until I became a father myself. I don't know if hardly anything my daughters could do, uh, anything my kids could do that would cause me to just want anything to do with me. Put up with just about anything. Because that's mine. God loves you. He cares for you. You're his child. He would do anything for you. He's tried to prove that time and time again. Amen. I feel his love here today. And it's okay to receive that love. It's okay to receive that. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to have earned it because you can't earn it. It's okay to just say, God, I'm here with all my failures and mistakes and everything I've messed up. But I receive your love and I thank you that you love me despite it all. You love me through it all. Would you lift your hands to him one more time and just thank him for that. Thank him for his love. Thank him for his love right now, his mercy. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We praise you. 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 We thank you, Lord. We receive your love today. We receive your unfailing love. We receive it today, Lord. We're grateful for it. We thank you 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 for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Amen. You can make your way back to your seats if you want to remain standing. Exodus chapter 34. You can kind of find that if you want to turn your phone, your iPad, your Bible, whatever it is you have. Uh, Exodus 34. I do want to make just a few announcements. Um, I know this is our last chapel of the fall semester. All it means is we have like 13 or 14 more ahead of us because spring semester just around the corner. Uh, many of you thought you would not make it through this semester. You're here. Maybe you're barely standing, but you're here. You survived. And you're going to be all right. You're going to survive. Amen. We've got a lot of things. We are closing out a very, yes, a very challenging semester. But even in the midst of, you got to remember, in the midst of every challenge, there are victories all along the way also. There are, there are wonderful, uh, I look back over times of my life, and, and I can only describe them somehow as just bittersweet. I, I can talk about the same situation that happened in my life, and I can cry about it, and then laugh about it and be thankful about it at the same time. Because God just proves his faithfulness through it all. Thank you, Sister Sienna, for bringing that keynote to us today. Um, it's time to stop just wallowing around in our self-pity and always talking about how bad it is. I'd like you to face a uh, Chinese Christian or an Iranian Christian and tell them how bad your life is. <laughs> doesn't mean you don't have struggles and trials and difficulties. I know. We all do. 
but God has been faithful through it all. Amen. That just makes me want to be faithful to him. Praise God. A few announcements. Um, there are winter wars happening December 6th. It's a weird response. Winter war. Woo. More details are coming. Well, I mean, that's what your announcement says. More details are coming, so stay tuned. Uh, also, the sophomore class meeting tonight at 10 p.m. in the side room of the lounge. And a missions club meeting. Oh, you know, this is these are old announcements, so, right? These are old announcements. Just realized this because November 18th has passed, so ask people about that November 18th mission club meeting. See how that went. All right. So, do that. I'd like to welcome our new sister McClintock who's here today. Yeah. She's actually coming to preach right now. No, wouldn't do that to her. Maybe at some point. So I guess that's all the announcements. Ooh, if I can preach now. Exodus 34. Exodus 34. Again, thank you to all you students for being um, stellar through this whole transition and all the difficulties. Girls are finally in the dorms. They're enjoying all that. I know you guys are still waiting, and I know it's frustrating, but thank you for being Christians about it. Thank you for being patient. Thank you for being encouraging. Thank you for realizing the challenges um, that, that we're facing, but having a good attitude about it because God's being faithful through it all. So thank you for that. Exodus 34, beginning verse 12, Take heed to thyself, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land whither thou goest, Lest it be a snare. Everybody say snare. Caesar, where you at? Not that kind of snare. Lest it be for a snare in the midst of thee. If I'd have thought ahead, I didn't have a real snare, a real trap. I could have just had you up there. And every time I said snare, you could hit the snare. But wrong, wrong uh, analogy. So God's telling Moses, take heed. Don't make covenants lest it be a snare in the midst of thee. But ye shall destroy their altars, break their images, and cut down their groves. For thou shalt worship no other god. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they go a-whoring after their gods, do sacrifice unto their gods, one calls you and you eat of his sacrifice. Now take of their daughters and of thy sons and their daughters go a-whoring after their gods and make thy sons go a-whoring after their gods. Thou shalt make thee no molten god. We'll revisit this story. won't get into it here at the very beginning. But the Lord had just carved once again or just had 
the commandments carved once again into stone and made a promise to Moses and said, but you need to take heed. Be careful what you do in the days ahead. Be careful how you deal with the inhabitants that you're going to face because you don't want it to become a snare in the midst of you. And I want to talk to you today for a little bit about the most lethal snare. The most lethal snare. Would you bow your head with me for a minute? Would you just ask the Lord to speak to us today? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your goodness. Thank you for the nearness of your presence, for your love that is in this place. We ask you to speak to our hearts today, that you would let there be revelation, understanding in our spirits, that as we hear your word, we'd receive it, we'd understand and, and, and know what you're speaking at each one of our hearts, that you give us wisdom and direction today. Be near us. Let your presence rest upon us in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Now, I'm not going to pretend that I'm this world-class hunter and I know everything about hunting because I don't. The home that I grew up in uh, never had a gun. It just was not um, something I grew up. I remember my dad going hunting once. Uh, with a man in the church, and all I remember seeing is him leaving the house with an orange vest, and I don't remember anything else, because it wasn't even a practice of my dad. I think he just kind of went to be company with this elder man in the church. So I didn't really grow up around that. didn't really grow up. I know many of you have. Um, there are, the first time I was ever taken hunting, I walked down to a uh, creek, and we were, I don't even know what we were hunting for, actually. The, the, the man I was with was a hunter, and um, he had given me a, a shotgun, and I had, like, maybe like the second time in my entire life I'd held a shotgun. And we were sitting there at the edge of this creek, and, um, and he asked me a question, and I turned around to him, and, of course, immediately he grabbed the gun and pushed it away. I, I had never held a gun like that. And, um, of course, all he could see is me blowing his head off, and that was, wouldn't have been a good thing. I didn't know how to handle it. So I'm not, I'm not going to pretend that I know a whole lot about hunting. So I had to do a little research, which is what you do when you don't know anything. Several well-placed traps have the potential to catch much more game than a man with a rifle is likely to shoot. To be effective with any type of trap or a snare, you have to do at least two things. I didn't come up with these. I researched these. Number one, you have to be familiar with the species of animal you intend to catch. Know all you can about the animal. Know how they bed down, how, where, they, where they visit often, how... What kind of paths they take? Where, where, where are they usually at? Know all about that type of species of animal you're trying to catch. Number two, be capable of constructing a proper trap. Now, you can go buy a good one, but it used to be back in the day, they build their own, become good at building traps. And the third thing you need to know is you, you can't alarm your prey by leading, leaving signs of your presence. There are many animals that smell a human scent from a, a long distance. You've got to be very careful be able to set the trap secret without the, the animal knowing. Now, many of you might not know this, but uh, back in the 
several years ago, there used to be several um, several raccoons that lived in the ceiling and in the top floor of the girls' dorms at the old campus. Girls couldn't tell you about little scratch in there. And every once in a while, raccoons would show up. I mean, we had bats on the old campus. We kept bats, you know. Um, but I, I don't know if Brother Molina's in here today. Um, but he could probably, yeah, he is. You could probably tell us about catching raccoons with cheeseburgers. McDonald's cheeseburgers. Raccoons. Disre- <laughs> he's, he's excited about it. You want to tell a story about it? Do you have any good story about it? Yeah. At one time. Thank you, Brother Blaine. I appreciate that. Just think about that next time you go to the McDonald's drive-thru and you order a cheeseburger. Eating raccoon food. Now, there's, there's no catch-all traps, from what I understand, that you can set for all animals. There's not one particular trap you can set and you can catch anything. Okay? You, everyone, every animal has their own weakness, has their own attraction that, that, that they go after. You have to determine what species are in a given area. Set your traps specifically with those animals in mind. You position your traps and stairs where there's proof that animals pass through. You must determine if it's a run or a trail. Now a trail will show signs of use by several species. Be rather distinct. A run is usually smaller and less distinct and only contains signs of one species. You can construct a perfect snare. But it will not catch anything if it's just haphazardly placed in the woods. Animals have bedding areas, water holes, and feeding areas, and trails leading from one to another. You have to place snares and traps around these areas to be effective. Now let your spiritual metaphor mind and thoughts go for a minute. You have to place traps around their bedding areas where they get tired. Around water holes where they get thirsty. Around feeding areas where they get hungry. The times you get snared the most are when you're tired, thirsty, and hungry. You catch prey when they're weak and distracted. Trap and snare concealment is important. It's equally important, however, not to create a disturbance that alarm the animal, cause it to avoid the trap. So if you have to dig, remove all fresh dirt from the area, most animals will instinctively avoid a pitfall-type trap. You must remove or mask the human sense on and around the trap you set. Although birds don't have a developed sense of smell, nearly all mammals depend on smell even more than on sight. Even the slightest human scent on a trap will alarm the prey and cause it to avoid the area. Actually removing the scent from a trap is difficult, but masking it is relatively easy. 
when you position the trap, camouflage it as naturally as possible to prevent detection by the enemy and to avoid alarming the prey. Traps or snares placed on a trail or run should use channelization. This gets very technical. To build a channel, you construct a funnel-shaped barrier extending from the sides of the trail toward the trap. With the narrowest part nearest the trap, channelization should be inconspicuous to avoid alerting the prey. As the animal gets to the trap, it cannot turn left or right and continues into the trap. Few wild animals will back up, preferring to face the direction of travel. Channelization does not have to be an impassable barrier. You only have to make it inconvenient for the animal to go over or through the barrier. For best effect, the channelization should reduce the trail's width to just slightly wider than the targeted animal's body. Maintain this constriction at least as far back from the trap as the animal's body length, and then begin widening the, the mouth of the funnel. Baiting a trap or snare increases your chance of catching an animal. Now, I know I get a little technical, but I want you to know the enemy that we face is a master at setting traps and snares. He uses channelization. You feel like it's okay the path you're headed on. Then all of a sudden, the, the walls start narrowing. And you get to a point to where you don't know what to do. You can't turn to the right or the left. You feel trapped. And so you just move forward and you give in to what's ahead of you. Traps and snares crush, choke, hang, or entangle the prey. Traps are designed. And this is, isn't my wording. And this is, the, this is some things I found Traps are designed to catch and hold or catch and kill. Snares are traps that incorporate a noose to accomplish either function. The Bible refers to the enemy of our soul as a fowler. A number of times in scripture. A fowler was a professional bird catcher in the days before firearms. Fowlers would capture birds by spreading a net on the ground and attaching it to a springed trap or snare. The fowler or the devil, our enemy, has had a lot of practice crafting the art of snare setting. He knows how to construct a great snare. He knows all about the prey that he's hunting, you and I. He knows how to be secretive. Yet the Bible does tell us that we should not be ignorant of his devices. He knows how to strike when we are weak and distracted because he covers the snares with great disguises. He uses channelization by funneling his prey into the snare. He knows the art of baiting. He knows what it takes inside of a McDonald's bag and to throw inside of a trap for you to go after. He understands what you want. The Bible says the thief has come to kill and to steal and to destroy. The fowler truly has come to crush, choke, hang, and entangle those who allow him to. 1 Timothy 3.7 tells us, Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare 
of the devil. 2 Timothy 2.26 tells us, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. 1 Timothy 6.9 says, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and to many foolish and lust, hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. The Bible makes it clear. Demonic powers are at work laying traps for the people of God. He'll use temptation. He'll use thoughts. He'll use things that we see or hear. And the enemy is doing what he can, going about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Not only does the devil, with the help of evil spirits, lay traps and snares for God's people, but the devil also uses others to set snares in our path. Yes, there are times the enemy will set a snare for us, but very often it's others, it's other people, it's others around us who set snares in our path. The enemy will use wicked people, even other so-called Christians. He'll use the wicked, he'll use adulterous men to seduce innocent women. He'll use pushes of pornography to entice and ensnare generations of men with filth. He'll use fowlers on the streets that push drugs. Wicked people. People who have no good intentions. He will use them to ensnare and trap people. He'll use so-called Christians. Many hard-hearted, envious Christians who eagerly scheme to ruin and destroy godly, righteous men and women of God. Scripture tells us that certain of God's people schemed against the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah said, Jeremiah 18, 22, They have digged a pit to take me and hid snares at his he was saying, some who call themselves children of God are out to ensnare me. They want to destroy the testimony God's even given me. But no matter who tries to ensnare a devoted child of God, no matter who tries to ensnare you and trap you, whether it's the devil, whether it's wicked people, whether it's other Christians, it does not have to succeed. If you keep your focus on the Lord, on His calling in your life, on His love for you, you will not fall into the snare. How many of you have fallen into snares? How many of you have fallen into traps? I'm going to raise your hand. You're nodding your head. I can see it. That, that we fall into traps and snares at times that the enemy will set at our path. But it does not have to be that way. Not if we'll keep our eyes on the Lord. Not if we will keep our eyes set on the calling that's before us. Not if we will cling to the love of God that's in and been handed to us. Not if we will cling to Him. We do not have to fall into the snares that are set before us. You look at Nehemiah when he was rebuilding the walls. There were four times that opposition tried to set a trap to get him to stop what he was doing. But all four times Nehemiah told them, I will not stop. Because of the work he had to do and the confidence he had in God that God had called him to do that work. You cannot get involved in arguing with people just because they want to argue. It's all meant to be a distraction. You've got to go on. With God's work. Nehemiah was on the wall. And he said I can't come down. Because I've got a work to do. And God's called. You don't have times for distractions. You don't have time to let things ensnare you. And entrap you. You have to understand this today. The reason Satan comes against your prayer life. The reason he comes against your consecration to God. And your walk with God. Isn't just to bring you down. He also wants to ruin the ministry God has given you. He wants to destroy anything you're doing that brings glory to God. But in Nehemiah's case, none of those snares could stop the work 
of God. Not a snare the enemy himself would set. Not a snare that the wicked people could set. Not a snare that so-called Christians or believers, followers of the true God could set. None of those traps could stop or entrap and snare Nehemiah because he refused to give in and he wanted to continue with the work of God. Nehemiah 6, 15 and 16 tells us, So the wall was finished, and it came to pass that when all of our enemies heard thereof, and all the heathen that were about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was wrought of our God. Now, I didn't know how this would come across today. Now, I felt to share this in our last chapel. But you have to understand, the devil wishes to ensnare you with his grand scheme. And if he can't do it personally, he'll motivate the wicked to it. And if they don't succeed, he'll even use a callous Christian as his messenger. But although each one of these snares are dangerous and should be avoided at all costs, they are still not the most lethal Yes, evil spirits, wicked people, and hypocritical Christians are dangerous. And if you spend too much time in their presence, if you spend too much time sharing your heart with them, it's dangerous. But the most lethal snare are not those snares. The most lethal snare is truly the snare you set for yourself. It's that snare you leave for yourself when you keep friendships that lead you far from God. It's that snare you leave for yourself when you continually put things before your eyes that don't glorify God, but rather glorify humanity. It's that snare you leave for yourself when faithfulness is not a part of your vocabulary. You leave a trap that you will stumble into at some point in time. And it's a snare and a trap you've left for yourself. We continually leave snares for our own selves very often. Instead of doing what we know is right, we let up, we give in to distractions, and we compromise our commitment to our faith. There are so many snares we can avoid if we'll just quit laying so many snares for our own self. I can't tell you how many times young people have sat in my office over the last nine or ten years here at Gateway in Urshan, and I've heard them share with me, and yes, there are snares and traps that they should have avoided because of, because of other people or because of the enemy, they should have known better. But I, I don't know how many times I've talked to young adults who have sat in my office and have, have lamented about the snares they've fallen in of their own making. Snares they've left for themselves. They knew better. Just haphazardly left a trap laying there that just a little, little while longer they stumbled onto themselves. There's so many we can avoid. There's so many things that we go through, that we deal with in our walk with God that we could avoid if we just keep our eyes fixed on Him. If we just keep our eyes set on Him. There's so many things we could avoid. There's so many needless burdens that we bear. In Exodus 34, I won't go through the entire story. The Lord had just for the second time now given Moses the commandments. Moses is telling the Lord, we want you to go with us. We want you to go before us. We want to do it right. And God tells Moses in Exodus 34, verse number 10. 
said, Moses, I am making a covenant with you before all your people. And this is what he said. I will do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. Moses, there's something I want to do in you and through you that the world has never seen. There's something I'd like to do. There's wonders I'd like to perform that the world has never witnessed before. And I believe some of you, there's something in your spirit that witnesses with me when I read that verse. Because the Lord's spoken to you some very similar things. I'd like to do something in your family that the rest of your family has never seen before. I'd like to do something in your church so it's been there 50 years that your church has never seen before. I'd like to do something in your ministry through you as a young 22-year-old young man, a young 22-year-old young lady, young 18-year-old lady that the world has never seen. I got wonders I want to do. He said, but Moses, be careful. That when you enter these lands that I'm giving you, and when you come upon the inhabitants that you will face, do not make any covenants with them. Do not make any promises with them. Do not bind yourself to them. Do not get involved with their lifestyle. Do not do what they do. Because if you do, it will become a snare in the midst of you. God told them don't make any covenants with those who have fought against God. He said, but instead destroy their altars. Break down their images and cut down their groves. Not only don't make covenants with them, but get rid of any semblance of their influence in your life. Destroy their altars. Make no sacrifices for that which is not holy. Break down their images. Get rid of all idols and the gods of this world. Cut down their groves. Destroy anything that's set apart for idolatrous worship. Because I've got wonders that this world has never seen that I want to do for you. God has made the same promise to us. He wants the same thing for you and I. He wants to do something so wonderful, so incredible through you. You've got dreams, you've got aspirations, you've already got some things in your mind figured out how you'd like it all to come out. Can I tell you, his plans for you are more wonderful than that. You think you can dream up some pretty incredible things, and you can. You know why? Because God gave, gave you the ability. But he also is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or even think. But the problem is, is so many are frustrated because they've got these dreams, but they keep leaving traps and snares for themselves. They keep leaving things in their way that they keep tripping themselves up. I remember there was an awkward age when I was a teenager, a very awkward age when I was, my feet were outgrowing me. And it was so embarrassing. I just walked down the hall. I wasn't even walking fast. And I'd trip over my own feet. I became a, a tripping hazard to myself. 
that's kind of funny and silly, but it's a little more dangerous spiritually when we set traps for our own selves, when we trip up our own selves, when God's got something so wonderful in store for you and me. So our musicians come. We really don't have a choice when it comes to Satan's snares or snares laid by. You really don't have a choice. You, you can't just pray and ask God, Lord, let the devil ne never lay another trap for me. Let me never face another trap of the enemy. Let me never face another trap of some callous Christian or some evil person that's out there to, you know, trip me up. God, let, let, the, let me always be free from that. We can't do anything about that. The enemy's the enemy. It's going to happen. There's going to be times. There's going to be situations. There's going to be things that come against us. It, it, that's, that's just life. That's the way it is. We can do nothing about those except be wise, be prayerful, be vigilant, be sober, because our adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, goes about seeking him. We just have to be vigilant and sober so we can avoid those snares. But the snares in our own hand, the most lethal snares, the I should have known better that squeezes the life out of us. It's the I can't believe I did it again that chokes us. It's the why do I keep doing that? That entangles us in the noose. It's the that's just the way I am and I'll never change. It's the lack of prayer life, not searching the word, word and forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Consistently laying traps and snares in our own pathway. They are avoidable, but we set them. And Hebrews tells us, wherefore... Seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Some things are sins or traps by nature, but some things are weights that become traps. Oh, I can do that. There's not any prohibition in Scripture against it. But you know how you can handle those things. And it's time you get real and honest with yourself. Thinking, no, I'm strong enough. I won't fall in that trap. I just like how it looks. And I like how it works. And, and I like the sound of it when it <laughs> clamps down. Play with it for a while. Play with it long enough. Mess with it long enough. And you'll probably forget where you left it. What's more frustrating than trying to live for God with a snare or a noose around your neck? How about trying to live for God with a noose you put around your own neck? If you find yourself in a snare today, I know there's some of you that are entrapped. I can see it on your face. You don't hide it real well. You may think you are camouflaging it and nobody really sees and knows that we may not know everything. We don't really know what happens behind closed doors and what happens when nobody else is around. We really don't know all the details. But we see its effects. I can walk past some of you and see the teeth marks of the snare and the trap. It's all over you. I can see it because you want to lift your hand. And you can't because it's caught in a snare. 
You want to be happy, you want to be joyful, but you can't because you're caught in the snare. It's a helpless feeling, it's a hopeless feeling. How do I get free? But if you find yourself in a snare today, or you're about to fall in one, I want to give you a little hope. Yes, the the snare you set for yourself is the most lethal one. Because it's all about deception and deceiving ourselves. And we end up destroying ourselves with something we could have easily avoided. But today, if you just trust in the Lord, He's given you another opportunity to have a chance. To end the semester free. You battled all semester. And hopefully... In the last few minutes, there's been some understanding, spiritual understanding come into your heart. And you realize, I just got to let go of that. I got to put that down. I got to leave that behind. Because it's what's ensnaring me and entrapping me. If you'd stand with me today, the Lord wants to help you. The Lord wants to help you today. Psalm 91 tells us this. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestle. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Verse 14 says, Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. You can be free today. It's not about some miraculous fireball from heaven falling falling and destroying all this stuff in your life. It's about making a choice and making a decision. That's what living for God is all about. It's not always in the fire and the wind and the earthquake. Sometimes it's just in one small simple decision that you make and make up in your mind. I am not going to be entrapped any longer. I am not going to let myself be ensnared any longer. I am not going to live and wallow in self-pity. I'm not going to live underneath and beneath the privileges God has given me. No, I'm going to quit setting those snares for myself. It's time that I really just make up in my mind to be faithful. I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to say it because it's been something on my heart for the last three or four weeks. And it's, 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 it's very simple. I even said it, shared it at one of our meetings we had a couple, couple uh, days ago. It, one thing that I see as a major, major struggle in this age group 
and why we need elders who are the example before us. Because we need to learn faithfulness. I've had, I don't know how many students sit in my office, and I've actually had a couple this year, who said this very thing. I, I go to church all the time. I'm in class studying God's word all the time. I just don't feel like going to church. And they don't see it as an issue. What you're doing is you're setting a snare for yourself. You're setting a trap for yourself. God is calling us. God has, is calling us to live for him and to serve him and to be faithful. Can you imagine if God decided one day, ah, just don't feel like giving Give it Ethan grace today. Just, I just don't feel like it. You're on your own today. I give him grace all the time. Not today. These are snares we set for ourselves. They're traps we set for ourselves. And we can avoid them if we'll just make up in our mind. I'm not going to be trapped. I'm not going to be ensnared. Would you bow your head with me for a moment? I'm just sharing from my heart today. It's a little bit different than I normally preach, but I'm just, I'm just trying to be real with you, just trying to show you I, I love you. I, 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 want, I want to see you succeed and live for God, and I want to see you end this semester free. I want to see the traps fall off, the snares fall off, the noose around your neck just to be loosed and taken off. I want to, I want to see you free. You'll turn your eyes to Jesus and dwell in the secret place of the Most High under the shadow of the Almighty. The Lord says, I, I, I'll set you free. If you'll just turn to me, if you'll just make up your mind, you're going to serve me, be faithful to me, and live for me. I'm going to, I'll set you free. I'll deliver you. I'll honor you. I'll set you on a straight path. I'll give you joy. I'll give you peace. Freedom, deliverance that you need and you're longing. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, I pray for these students here today. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. We feel we've, we felt your love and, and your mercy throughout this entire service. And I believe it's because you're bringing us to this point. You want these young men and women to trust you. That you care for them. That you're not here to condemn them. You're not here to tell them how bad they've been and how much they've messed up and how unfaithful they have been and how you're calling them back to you. You're calling them back to you. You, you, you got a purpose and a plan. You've got a you got something you want them to do. You've got a you got a will you want them to perform. You got a calling. You've got dreams. You've got wonders you want to work in their life. Wonders that this world has never seen. And I pray that they'd make up in their mind today tear down the idols, to tear down the groves, to get rid of the traps, to get rid of the snares, and to commit themselves to you and be faithful. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to his word here today. Give you a chance just to respond and talk to him and pray. Commit yourself to him right now. Would you do that? Would you lift your voices? Would you call in the name of Jesus right now? 
Call on him right now, Lord Jesus, we need you. Lord, we surrender ourselves to you. We give ourselves to you. We give ourselves to you right now, Lord. We seek the deliverance and the freedom that you have to offer. We seek that right now. I pray that you would let that come into the lives of these young men and women right now. God, we make up in our minds we're going to serve you. We're going to live for you. We're going to honor you. We're going to do your will, Lord Jesus. We're going to seek after you. We're going to seek after you, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, I pray those bound by traps and ensnared here today, those that feel like they can't get free and they can't get out, those that feel like, like it's hopeless and they've been channeled, they've, they've been channeled to a place where they can't even hardly turn around. Oh, God, if they'll just call out to you and cry out to you, you will set them free. Your word says you will deliver them from the snare of the fowler, from the noisome pet. You will deliver them today. You'll set them free to walk unfettered, unchained. You'll set them free to walk in liberty, to walk in freedom. Oh, God, we give ourselves to you. We cry out to you today. Come on, that's it. Lift your voice and cry out to him. I want you to commit yourself to him. I want us to commit ourselves afresh and anew this day as we close out this semester so we can go into this next semester and this year that's ahead of us. We can go into it free. We can go into it knowing the path we need to take, knowing the choices we need to make, knowing the decisions we need to make in our life. Today, this day, he's calling us to make that choice. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Make up in your mind. Make the choice today. No matter who around you, whatever choice they're making, no matter what they're doing, it's time you make up your mind. You make up your choice. Don't get caught up in a snare that somebody else lays. You be wise. Be vigilant. Be sober. And move forward in faith and confidence that God's hands on your life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, lift your voice to heaven right now. Lift your voice to heaven right now. Lord, we need you here today.